0: Well, howdy there, Internet people. It's Bo again. So today, we are going to talk about the futures, plural, of Ukraine. Um, I have a whole bunch of people asking for predictions, basically. Asking for what's going to go down in various eventualities. The most common is people asking what's going to happen if Russia does decide to go in. If Russia decides to move in, what's going to happen? I am personally not arrogant enough to believe that I can call the outcome of a war be- before the first shots are fired. I understand that a lot of people are making assessments and estimates on what's going to occur, how long it's going to take, the the final outcome, and all of that stuff. Um, I'm not going to do that because I like to be right when, when I do stuff like that. Um, so it, it's... It's one of those things. It's like any street fight. Everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. You know, no plan survives first contact. Um, So I I can't tell you what's going to happen, but I can run you through the most likely scenarios. Um, Conventional wisdom as to what's going to occur, it's probably the most likely scenario, but I don't think it's a the, the foregone conclusion that uh, Western media is making it out to be. So we'll go through it. If Russia decides to move in, what's it going to look like initially? Desert Storm. It's going to look like Desert Storm. Um, they will most likely try to duplicate that, that kind of effect. So it'll open with a strong air game. But they're near-peer nations. They're not peer nations. So it's not going to look exactly the way the U.S. does it. There's going to be a lot of conventional artillery involved as well. And along with that, there will be combined arms advances. I'm going to guess three. Three different routes of advance. Um, Now, this is assuming... That they're actually trying to take the whole country, which seems to be the the assumption that people are operating under. Keep in mind that may not be the goal. They they may just want to take certain segments. Um, but if they are going to attempt to take the whole country, that would be the most likely opening opening gambit, right? And they would drive towards Kiev. Conventional wisdom, what is being depicted in the media is that the Ukrainian military falls apart and Russia is able to accomplish this in days or weeks. And yeah, I mean, that that is that is a possibility. That's something that can occur. okay. But I don't think it is a guarantee. I wouldn't say, standing here today, I wouldn't say that's what's going to happen. Because, one, the Ukrainian military isn't incompetent. It's not like they don't know what they're doing. And they've had a lot of warning. So they might, be, uh, they might be planning some surprises. Because there are only so many ways Russia can accomplish what it wants to accomplish. So they can find ways to disrupt that. Now, that's assuming the Ukrainian military decides to go toe-to-toe with Russia. They will lose. It's a matter of can they make it too costly for Russia to continue, okay? that they can't hold out forever, they're outmatched. And that's what everybody's focusing on, is that scenario. The thing is, um, A, they're, I think they're underestimating the Ukrainian military. B, the Ukrainian military has made it pretty clear that that's not what they're going to do. They're not going to attempt to go toe-to-toe. That's not their doctrine. That's not what they've been training for. That's not what they've been planning for. They have kind of uh, said that they're going to put up a stiff fight initially, and then they're going to disappear, poof, head off into the hills and adopt more guerrilla-style tactics. Now, from this point, the question becomes, can they start that campaign, that resistance campaign? Can they get it up and running while the advance is still going on, before Russia actually occupies. If that's the case, um, I think they got a pretty good shot, to be honest. Um, because in that type of scenario, it you don't need a lot of people who know what they're doing. You need a few people who know what they're doing and who have had warning, like they've had, who are going to sit there and say, you know, there's only so many ways they can get from point A to point B. They have to come through here, and they're not going to. That bridge, we're going to make that super unsafe for them to go over. They can find ways to slow the advance. And if they can do it well enough, it might persuade Russia to back off. Aside from that, along with the people who know what they're doing, there's going to be a whole bunch of people who don't. And that's ideal. I know that doesn't make any sense. But when you're talking about irregular, irregular fighting like that, that that's the best-case scenario. You have a few groups that are really good and a whole bunch that have really no clue what they're doing, but they have a bunch of heart. Um, the, the reason for that is that old joke. Professional soldiers are predictable, but the world is full of amateurs. And the subtext of that is, and it's going to be one of those amateurs that comes out of nowhere and cleans your clock, right? Because if they don't really know what they're doing militarily, like at a strategic or operational level, and they just know the tactics, they could do something that just doesn't make any sense. But it causes enough damage back down the line that, it disrupts major operational plans for the opposition. Though Those people that just have a lot of heart and not a lot of skill are incredibly important in this phase of things. If they can get something like that going while the advance is still occurring, I actually think they got a decent shot. Um, so, you have that. Now, uh, another option is that they don't get that that resistance going until after Russia gets to where it's going and the occupation starts that's the worst case scenario for everybody involved because then it becomes protracted and it becomes really bad um that uh that's the type of thing that turns this it it takes it from a conflict that could be a month and turns it into something that could be decades um so that that's your worst-case scenario. Now you also have fog of war stuff, stuff that people don't really count on when they're making these estimates. You know, and there's a lot of stuff that is being overlooked when these estimates are being made. Please keep in mind that the Western media and Western intelligence, they have a really bad track record at predicting the effectiveness of irregular forces see pretty much every conflict that we've been involved in for the last 50 years. They're, they're, they're not really good at determining how effective they're going to be. And to be honest, there's no way to know until it starts. So there's that. Now, the fog of war stuff that could disrupt all estimates are, are the wild cards. You know, during this desert storm phase in the beginning... Russia's probably going to want to try out some of their new stuff. What if it's not super accurate? Hits a children's hospital. Something like that. What does the West do then, especially if there's a lot of footage? Something like that can drastically alter the outcome of something like this. It's too soon to make that kind of prediction. Another one that I don't see people really talking about is the possibility of flights. NATO countries have flights running in to Ukraine. If Russia decides to do its desert storm-style approach during that air game, what if they take out a NATO plane? A Canadian flight, as an example. Bringing in supplies. And Russia takes it out. When we went over the treaty, the NATO treaty, we talked about how Vessels and planes are the same thing as an attack on the territory. If that occurred and Canada wanted to, Canada could say an attack on one is an attack on all, and all of NATO's in that fight. Um, With the number of variables, aside from the most likely opening gambit, nobody knows. Anything you're seeing that's on networks and predicting the outcome. I mean, people really are they're calling this war and, and saying what's going to happen b- before it even starts. Um I don't I don't think that's a good idea. It it reminds me of don't worry the troops will be home by Christmas. Those kind of predictions that they're never accurate. There isn't enough information. Um now <laughs> Another option, and something that somebody I was talking to brought up, and to me, it would just be ridiculous to do something like this. But, again, not out of the realm of possibility, is that Russia doesn't try to do any of this. They just try to take Kiev from the air. Um, I, I, I see that as incredibly unlikely. I see that as... As unlikely as the Ukrainian military being able to hold Russia off conventionally. <laughs> um, but it was something that was brought up, and it's not out of the realm of possibility. You have a lot of wild cards that prohibit making any real predictions. And those people who are making them right now, they are guessing. Make no mistake about it. They're not, they can't be informed because that first 24 hours, that will shape everything. Now, keep in mind, my opinion of how this is actually going to play out is that Putin wants to take Ukraine without a shot. I am still of the opinion that he's looking for a way out that isn't embarrassing. I don't know that he's going to escalate. I don't know that he's going to invade. This has been going on a long time. And again, the longer it goes on, the more warning Ukraine has, the more prepared they can be. Putin isn't a—he's uh, he, not new to this. He understands that. It would be a really bad move to, to move in after this long. Um, it, it isn't like Ukraine is without friends, and it's not like the Ukrainian military stands zero chance of being able to make it incredibly costly. They may not win but they can make it very, very costly. So, anyway, it's just a thought. Y'all have a good day.